0: I'm sitting at a table beautifully set for an intimate dinner party. And on my social media outlets, on my Facebook page, on my Twitter account this weekend, I actually asked a question and so that you could help me craft the opening parts of this talk. And the question was this. If you could have an intimate meal that you shared with three people in the world, any three people in the world, whether living or dead, who would you choose? I mean, anyone. If you could sit at a table with three people, anyone, who would it be? And I have to tell you, many of the answers that I got, and I so appreciate all of you who engage on social media, who engage on the Facebook and Twitter, and many of you answered. And so many of you gave Answers that I expected. It's not that they were wrong answers. It's that as I thought about the question, I thought about certain kinds of people. And many of you kind of matched those beginning thoughts of mine. You gave me expected answers. And then some of you gave me answers that I totally did not expect. I, I didn't come up with those answers. They were unbelievably unexpected. The expected answers, you know, um, one of the big ones was Mother Teresa. And I, Really? I mean, we could be so impacted by Mother Teresa. My first thought, you know, I always think a little bit skeptically. My first thought was, you're just trying to impress our socks off. That's not really Mother Teresa, really. But uh, then I thought, well, maybe it's just because she doesn't eat much and you could save a lot of money if you hosted Mother Teresa, you know. But, But then I realized, no, there are people who would really, really like, and rightly so, to be impacted by this woman. Another one was Billy Graham, once again, from the faith community, Billy Graham, because he's so stood for truth for so many years and been so faithful, and, and uh, unlike so many, never fell, kept his integrity. What a beautiful story, and so that was expected. And others, uh, once again, from the faith community and the culture community, Martin Luther King Jr., that would be an expected one, because it's like he changed the fabric of our culture in ways that can't even be comprehended, and so I get that. And then it moved into the political realm. You know, um, Abraham Lincoln was one of the names. And it makes sense, you know. Uh, just saw the movie Steven Spielberg put on, right? And so I was like, yeah, Abraham Lincoln. He was a president? Oh, cool. I'll, I'd like to get with him. And George Washington was another one. And then there were a lot of people who either said, well, I would say Jesus, but that's, you know. Too normal, so I'm not going to do it. Or a lot of people put Jesus down. And that makes sense, right? I mean, boy, if you could sit down with someone, he changed the world more than anybody else in history. Jesus. And then one person blew me away. He said, if I could share a meal with any three people, I would share a meal with God. Because I could get three in one. <laughs> I thought that was, <laughs> that was pretty good. Go on to the whole Trinity route, right? But, but then a lot of you gave unexpected answers. Truly answers I didn't expect. If you could share a meal with any three people in the world, who would you share it with? And some of you said the poor and the needy. A lot of you said it actually. And one person said, I'd want the three most impoverished children in the world to sit at my table. Gosh, that's just, that's beautiful. Another person said, I'd want to share it with any Holocaust survivor. That never even crossed my mind, but what a, what a treasure that would be. Another bunch of people actually said, I, I'd want to share it with my World Vision-sponsored children. I didn't think of that one either. Wouldn't that be neat to sit around a table with the kids you're sponsoring in these communities? It just blew me away. And then one person, probably more than anyone else, gave me the unexpected answer. If I could share a meal with any three people, living or dead, I'd want one of them to be snooky. Get some medicine, friends, <laughs> really. Uh, but you get the idea. This is, this is fascinating to me. It's an interesting question. It tells us a lot about ourselves. But let me give you an interesting fact. And, and this isn't an indictment. This isn't a criticism. This is as true of me as it is of you. But not one person said, if I could share a meal with three people in the world, I'd share it with the three people who've hurt me the most. (laughs) Why would we say something like that, right? I mean, it'd be stupid. It'd be crazy. Who in their right mind would say, if I could sit at a table and share an intimate meal with anybody in the world, I'd want the people who had put the dagger in deepest and twisted it the most. I'd want the people who hurt me most. Who in their right mind would think that? Jesus. Because this is exactly what Jesus did. Jesus, who created this universe, who created each and every one of us, and yet has experienced each and every one of us reject him, betray him, dismiss him. Some of us don't even believe in him. None of us, by nature, honor him as Lord and follow him and give him the credit he deserves. And yet, Jesus chooses to share his life, to share his table with us, he's invited every single one of us. In fact, think about this. He could have wiped out the universe he made and started all over, but he chose not to. He left heaven and he came to earth to share his life with, to share meals with, those who would reject him, those who would betray him, those who would beat him to a pulp and put a crown of thorns on his head and nail him to a cross and laugh at him and mock him while he died for them. That's crazy. Do you realize that apart from forgiveness, apart from forgiveness, not one person can have a relationship with God? If Jesus wasn't willing to choose those who had hurt him and betrayed him, none of us would have an opportunity to sit at his table. And you need to know he's doing the same thing today. He is offering to each and every one of us, though all of us have hurt him and disappointed him, he is offering to each and every one of us his table to share. relationship to have. The kingdom of God is built upon God's willingness to forgive. But here's what I want you to see. The same is true in human relationships. Just as it's true that not one human being can ever have a relationship with God, no matter how religious or irreligious, not one human being can have a relationship with God apart from his willingness to forgive them and invite them to his table. The same is true in human relationships. Do you realize it's impossible for any one of us to have a relationship with another human being without building it on forgiveness? It's impossible. Why? Because there's no human being alive whom you can be in relationship with who isn't going to disappoint you, who isn't going to hurt you. There is no true intimacy. There is no true love. There is no enduring relationship among human beings apart from the willingness of us to forgive. Forgiveness is essential, an absolute requirement for experiencing positive relationships in our world, which highlights a problem. Many of us don't have these kind of relationships. We might exist in the context with other people, but true intimacy, true openness, true sharing, true love... mm. And the reason is because though you can't have a great positive relationship apart from forgiveness we still have a difficult time forgiving. We have a hard time letting go. We have a hard time inviting into our lives and sharing our lives intimately with those who've hurt us. We're not as much like God as we would like to be. And here's the problem. Most of us don't understand that we ultimately hurt ourselves more than the people who originally hurt us. And. The way we do that is by holding on to the hurt. Think about what happens when we hold on to the hurt. We take the hurt which happened in a moment and we intensify it and magnify it and prolong it day after day, year after year, decade after decade. We take something that was a momentary hurt no matter how big it may be and we allow it to ruin a lifetime. We hurt ourselves more than the ones who hurt us. Let me give you the reality as we we open up this series. We tend to hurt ourselves today by holding on to our hurts from yesterday. Most of the pain we experience today in the present isn't because someone right now is hurting us. It's because we're holding on to the hurt that we experienced yesterday or somewhere in our past. And those hurts that we will experience today will usually be prolonged far into our future because we hold on to them into our future. We hurt ourselves today by holding on to the hurts of yesterday. So here's the truth that I want you to see. If we're going to get what we want, fulfillment in life, if we're going to fully live, experience life as God designed it, experience life at its best, We need to understand that fully living today requires fully letting go of yesterday. Now, do you see the problem? Many people come and say, how can I really experience the fullness of life today? There's only one answer. Well, you've got to fully let go of the hurts and the disappointments of yesterday. But most of us aren't willing to do that. Most of us take yesterday's hurts into all of our tomorrows, and it destroys us. And just so you know, this truth, fully living today requires fully letting go of yesterday, isn't Brad Powell psychobabble? Let's just turn to the Bible and see what God has to say about it. Look at Ephesians chapter 4, verses 26 and 27. In your anger, do not sin. Now let's be honest here. Anger is the initial and, quite frankly, legitimate response when someone hurts us, right? Right? When someone betrays us, when someone daggers us, when someone rejects us, anger is this normal emotion. And God says, but in your anger, in your response to these kind of hurts, don't sin. Don't let it turn destructive. How can we prevent it from becoming sin? Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. Here's what he's saying. If, if you want... To properly exercise the emotion of anger, if you want to properly respond to hurt, it's not by ignoring it, denying it, not experiencing normal emotions with it. It's by not allowing that to be prolonged into the next day. Your anger is going to become sin. It's going to become destructive. It's going to defeat you if you don't deal with it on the day it occurs. So in your anger, do not sin. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. And don't give the devil a foothold. We literally, when we carry yesterday's hurts in today, today, we open our lives up to the evil one owning us, defeating us, destroying us. We give him a place in our hearts and life. You say, I've never invited Satan into my life. Have you ever held on to the pain of yesterday into today? It's like saying, come on in and have your way, Satan. Take over in my life. God is telling us that to fully live today, we have to be willing to fully let go of yesterday. And then look at how he continues in Ephesians 4, verses 31 and 32. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. And there's only one way to get rid of it all. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other. Just as in Christ, God forgave you. Just as in Christ, God invited you who have hurt and disappointed him so profoundly to sit at his table so you need to forgive. It's the only way to fully live. It's the only way. Now, to me, this passage would be a lot easier for me to swallow if I could just change a couple of words I'd like to exchange the word some or the word most for the word all. This passage would become doable for me. You know, get rid of some of your bitterness. I'm in. Happy New Year. Get rid of most of your rage and anger. I'm all over that. The only problem is it doesn't work because if I get rid of most of my rage and anger I still have some of my rage and anger which means I'm not fully living. And this is exactly where we're at. He says get rid of all of it. And then he ends it. Forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. I mean that's poetic. And it's true. And we're going to look at it again. But, but let me just point out something. As beautiful as those words forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you just as beautiful as those words are they're difficult because here's what they mean. They mean that we need to forgive everything and we need to forgive everyone because that's how Jesus forgave us. How would you like it if Jesus says, you know, I'm going to forgive most of what you did? You're screwed, friends. (laughs) Everything and everyone. And if we don't, we'll never fully live. Now you're saying, well, you know, easy for Jesus. You know, he was God. Yeah, but he made it possible for us to forgive like he forgives. And just so you can see it, and it will create tension in you as it does in me. It will create a question, how can I do that? But we found a story of forgiveness from a human being just like us that boggles the mind. And we wanted to share it with you so that you could realize it's possible. Watch.
1: At about three o'clock in the morning, I'd been woken to gunfire. Um, I remember those shots, how loud it was, and I remember raising up in the bed and throwing my body out, trying to shield the gunfire. I would take a blast in the face, and that shot would blow me out of bed. There I'm laying on the floor, there bleeding, and in shot, not sure again who's in my home. A few minutes later, one of the gunmen came over, aimed the the gun at my back, and shot me in the back four times, and once in the back of the leg, uh, shooting me a total of 11 times, and left me for dead. I hear commotion in the living room, I hear furniture being overturned. I hear uh, uh, two male voices, but again, I can't make it out what they're saying. Then I would hear my 13-year-old son, Matthew, cry out. He would say, no, Charlie, no. Why are you doing this? No, Charlie, don't. And then when I heard Charlie's name being mentioned, I knew who was in my home, and I knew why he was there. He was to get revenge, all because we made him break up with our daughter. And then I heard the gunshots. I heard Matthew being shot. And then they took turns stabbing my eight-year-old son, Tyler, to death as he hid in a closet. I finally managed to get to my feet. I scanned the bedroom, and I can't find Penny anywhere, but I'm blinded by smoke and blood. And My first thoughts were to get out, get through the bedroom door to get upstairs to my children. But by this time, the, the house was totally engulfed. I could hear windows exploding. I went back where my side of the bed, climbed over the mattress. And when I did, when I climbed over the bed there, I found Penny and she was already gone. Um, It was a horrific scene, I couldn't get her out, I didn't know how to get to my children and probably the hardest thing I did that night was when I climbed out our bathroom window knowing they were inside and and I couldn't get them out. The whole time I crawled to my neighbor's house, I wasn't really feeling the pain, I think I was just running on adrenaline and shock. and once help came, that's when the, the pain began to set in. I realized at that point that no effort on my part was going to change what happened. That I realized that they're all gone. But my sister came to me and said that Erin, my daughter, she was alive. And I'm thinking, how can this be? Because I thought she had died in the home as well. But right before I went into the operating room, I'd find out that Erin had been arrested and was being charged with murder. And when I heard that, I I remember raising up from that hospital bed, and I was yanking tubes out of my nose, IVs out of me, and I was just screaming, let me die, let me die. I had a home. I had a wife and three children, and now it's all gone. And I remember going back to my property. I was angry at my daughter, of course. I was angry at those two young men, but just to be honest with you, I was angry at God, too. I said, God, I don't understand. Why did you do this? Why did you take my family None of this is making any sense. God, why? And when I said, God, why, I looked over to my right and I seen a piece of paper. And when I picked it up and I began to read it, and when I read that first line, I literally fell to my knees because I knew God had just showed up. It said, God, I don't understand why you would take my family and leave me behind to struggle along without them. And I guess I may never totally understand that part of it, but I do believe that you're sovereign and that you're in control. I tell you, when I read that page, I just felt on my face on those ashes. God must have spared my life for a reason. It was by no accident that He left that page there for me. He let me realize that day that, hey, I've got a purpose for you. I want to use you. I want to take this tragedy to help others. It wasn't long after I found that burnt page that God began to deal with my heart about my bitterness. By this time, I had already forgiven my daughter. I mean, she's my daughter, my flesh and blood. So I think that came a little easier, but those two young men that took my family, I'm like, God, I'll do anything. They don't ask me to forgive them. This could go one of two ways. I can stay bitter or I can get better. And I think at that point I was determined that I was not gonna let Satan get the victory because what Satan meant for evil, God wants to turn to good. I wanna use this tragedy to bring honor and glory to you, to honor my family. And there in the courtroom I stood in front of those two young men, and I forgave them. It wasn't until that day when I walked out of that courtroom that I realized that my life here on earth is going to have meaning, and, uh, and there's still some good days ahead.
0: A story like that just, it's really confusing. I mean, how does someone do that? Uh, just so you can complete the story, the page that he found... God so clearly communicated him to through it was from a book that his wife Penny had been given two years before by someone and somehow God extracted that one page and put it in a place where he could find it at just the right time to communicate exactly what he needed to hear and you know his daughter along the other two guys were convicted in life in prison and his daughter as well convicted for two of the murders and um, sentenced to two life sentences and he still visits her Regularly and has built a positive ongoing relationship with her. And he now is in full-time ministry. His whole life is devoted to helping people to find the love of God and to experience full life today by letting go of yesterday. That's what his life's devoted to. It's an amazing story, but you have to ask the question, how could he do it? How could he forgive people who did such an unforgivable act to him and in this world? Well, that gets you to the spirit of the series that we began this weekend, How To. This isn't a, you know, how to, simple, let's deal with easy little things thing. This is how to do those things which seem beyond us but are yet necessary to experiencing life as God designed it. This weekend, how to let go. How to let go. Because we'll never fully live until we do. Now, before we actually apply God's principles to letting go, we have to understand what letting go involves. So many people are messed up about this thing about forgiveness. They don't understand what's it entail to let go, to forgive someone. And so let me tell you what it's not and what it is. And I hope you'll just listen to this. You don't have to, you know, jot it down. It's not in your outline. But, but I, I just get the sense of what forgiveness is. It, forgiveness and letting go is not ceasing to hurt you're going to still hurt. It's not ceasing to hurt, but ceasing to allow the hurt to control us. This is exactly what Terry did. He's he still hurt. He still has pain, but he's not allowing it to control him. Letting go is not forgetting the past. He can still tell the story. He's not ignoring it and denying it, but it's letting go of the hold the past has on you and no longer holding the past against the person who created it in your life. Letting go and forgiving is not about letting an offender off the hook. We don't have a hook for them. It's not even our role. It's not about letting the offender off the hook. It's about freeing ourselves from the burden of trying to keep them on a hook. It's about freeing ourselves from the burden of making them accountable and making them pay. It's not about letting the offender off the hook. It's about letting us off the hook. And how do we do it? By trusting God with them. I mean, we just have to trust God with what happened yesterday so that we can live today. Letting go and forgiving is not a feeling, but a choice. When Jesus was on the cross dying and said, Father, forgive them, he, he didn't all of a sudden have this euphoric feeling where he goes, forgiving feels good today. He forgave by choice, by an act of the will, and that's how we let go of yesterday and move into today. And Letting go is not reconciling a relationship. Now, a relationship can't be restored or reconciled until there's forgiveness. But even when there is genuine forgiveness, sometimes there's not restoration of relationship. But reconciliation is not what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is about releasing the pain. Releasing the pain. And that's what Terry did. Now, how did he do it? How to let go? Let me give you a couple of principles. These are not... Principles that will take me a long time to communicate, but these are principles that will take us a lifetime to apply. But we need to begin now. If we're going to let go, we have to experience forgiveness ourselves. We have to experience forgiveness. There is no such thing as a person who is still carrying the shame and the guilt of their failures who is able to truly and genuinely forgive another person. It's impossible. Until we're forgiven, we can't forgive. That's why Ephesians 4.32 says, Forgiving each other, as in Christ God forgave you. Until you experience Jesus forgiving you, you don't have the capacity to forgive someone else. You're going to respond in guilt, and you're going to respond in shame, you're going to respond in hiding. You're not going to be able to let them off because you're still on the hook. And so you have to experience it. Now, some of you have... A relationship with Jesus. You've asked him to forgive you in your past and yet you're still not forgiving now. Why is that? Because you once experienced his forgiveness but you're not now experiencing his forgiveness. You're you're carrying shame and guilt that you don't have to carry. You need to be experiencing his forgiveness every day if you're going to be giving what people need every day. Forgiveness. Are you? Now some of you have never experienced His forgiveness. And I, there are all kinds of reasons we don't turn to Him, but you just need to know you'll never fully live today until you can fully let go of yesterday, and you'll never be able to fully let go of yesterday until you experience Him forgiving you for yesterday. Look at First John chapter 1, verse 9 and 10. It says, if we confess our sins, that's simply if we acknowledge them, if we bring them to service, if we own up to our sins He is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and then purify us from all of the unrighteousness, the the lack of goodness within. But if we claim we have not sinned, if we keep putting on the mask and saying, I don't have any problems, we make him out to be a liar and his word has no place in our lives. We'll never experience him. Many of us aren't experiencing fullness of life because we've never experienced forgiveness. How about you? I just want to encourage you, if you're here today and you've never, ever allowed him to forgive you. This is your moment. If you want to know God, you have to experience it. So, before I download the last couple of principles, would you just bow with me in a word of prayer just for a moment? And as we pray, I encourage you to take my words and you pray them to God in your heart. Just say, "God, I confess my sin. I I've rejected you. I've lived without you. I've done my own thing. I've played God. I've sinned against you. And I'm asking you now to forgive me. I believe and I trust that your death on the cross can forgive me, and I'm asking you to do it. And I believe that your resurrection to new life is how I can have a new life, and I'm by faith claiming it. Save me. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you prayed, I just really encourage you, let us know. Uh, We we put together a letter that can help you take some next steps in your journey with God, and we just need to know you prayed with me. And so if you're in one of our live services, take the program out that we handed to you that has how-to on the front, and... Fill out the connection card that's inside, and on the bottom it says, today I pray to receive Jesus Christ. Fill in that or check off that little circle next to it. And then there are boxes at every exit of all of our auditoriums, and just throw it in there, and we'll send you that letter. And if you're watching church online, just hit the What Next button where you're watching it, and we'll do the same for you. And I really encourage you, especially being a new year, get in a starting point group. We have starting point groups that recharge, supercharge your journey with God. And all you have to do is be a part of it. And so go into the lobby of our our church and people will talk to you about that starting point. There's a huge sign. There's a table. Sign up for that. Become a part of it. We need to grow. Now, if we're going to let go, once we experience forgiveness, there's another principle. We have to appropriately face the hurt. Many of us kind of ignore it and bury it and so it just keeps going into new tomorrows with us. We have to appropriately face our hurts and we have to appropriately face the one who caused the hurts. We have to address it. Otherwise, there's no forgiveness. We have to address it if possible. Look at Matthew chapter 18, verse 15. This is Jesus' words. If your brother sins against you, go to everyone you know and those whom you don't know and tell them about this jerk that hurt you. Oh, wait a minute, that's not what Jesus said. That's what we do. That doesn't solve the problem. It magnifies the problem. It enlarges the problem. It expands the problem. It it grows the hatred between you and that person. Here's what Jesus said. Appropriately face it and the one who caused them. If your brother sins against you, go and show him his fault just between the two of you. And if he listens to you, you have won your brother over. And how do you go? Ephesians 4.15 says, you, you go speaking the truth, but you speak it in love. And that's how you grow up in and experience the fullness of Jesus in your life. How else do we let go? Well, God tells us that we release the one who caused the hurts of their debt to us. It's what Terry did in that courtroom. He, he says, you know, this courtroom might hold you accountable and make you pay your debt to humanity in prison for life, but you owe me nothing. He released them of their debt. That was awesome. And that's exactly what God says. Look at Colossians 3.13. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Release the one who caused the hurts from their debt. Why? Because if you don't, you're carrying their debt on you into the future. Release it. You don't ignore their their hurt. You don't deny the reality of their debt. You release them from it. And Jesus did this, by the way, on the cross. Look what he said in Luke 23, 34. He had been pummeled. He had been nailed. And now he was dying. And they were laughing at him. And he said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. He forgave them. And how did they respond? By continuing to gamble over his clothing. He didn't forgive them because they were asking for forgiveness. He didn't forgive them because they were deserving forgiveness. He forgave them in spite of their unforgivable actions. He released them, you know. He wanted them forgiven. That's what we need to do. And you say, "I just still I don't know how I can do it." Well, here's one principle: focus on God instead of on the offenders. Focus on what God is doing, not on what people have done. This is huge. If we're going to leave the junk in yesterday so that we can fully live today, we have to focus on what God is doing because it's positive, not on what people have done, which is negative. Look at Romans 8 28. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. That doesn't say all things are good. It says that even in the most tragic circumstances, God is still doing the work of building goodness for you. So when we focus on what he's doing, we can see goodness. When we focus on what they've done, we only see darkness. Focus on what he's doing. great example of this is in the Old Testament, a guy named Joseph. It's a great story in Genesis. You should read the whole story of Joseph's life. But you think you had siblings that were mean. Joseph's siblings sold him into slavery, sold him. His siblings sold him like a glass of lemonade. They had a Joseph table instead of a lemonade stand. I mean, they sold him as a slave. And you need to know, this was the positive choice. They had two options, sell him or kill him. Most of them wanted to kill him. But one of his brothers took a pro-life stance and said, no, let's just sell him into slavery. He was sold into slavery. Talk about anger. But you need to know, though that's what his brothers did, that's not what God was doing. God took that atrocious action of the siblings and he did something remarkable because this is what God always does. He took him through the valley of slavery and through the valley of all this hurt. And made him the prime minister of Egypt, the second most powerful person in all the world. Could have never gotten there unless this all had transpired. And how did Joseph stay positive all this time? Because he didn't focus on what his brothers had done. He focused on what God was doing. How about you? I mean, this is the way to let go of yesterday and live today. Uh, uh, Joseph, when he finally had a chance to face his brothers, and I'm going to tell you, that you know, when, the first time I read the story of Joseph... You know, he, had the, he was the prime minister. He was justice. And so he could have wiped these guys out and it would have been, you know, the law. He could have done it. And I'm reading the story and I'm going, whoa, they're going down. Because that's what I would have done. But that's not what he did. Look what he did when he met him in Genesis 50, 19 and 20. Joseph said to them, you intended to harm me. What you did was awful. But God intended your awful for ultimate good so that He could accomplish what's now being done. He's using me to save many lives. Focus on what God is doing, not what others have done, and you can let go of yesterday and fully live today. And then finally, if we're going to truly let go, we need to seek to restore the relationship with the one who hurt us. If possible, and if appropriate. And realize, this is not an absolute requirement to genuine forgiveness. You can genuinely forgive someone and not have a restored relationship. This is where Jesus stood. He was genuinely forgiving, but because people weren't embracing that forgiveness, he didn't have a restored relationship. And this is true of us as well. In fact, look what he says in Matthew 18, 15 and 17. If you go to them and try and restore the relationship, and they listen to you, you've won your brother over. But if they refuse to listen, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. This doesn't mean you get angry and hate them. It simply means you don't walk with them, you don't associate with them, because you know they'll just bring more pain, more betrayal, more junk into your life. But if possible and if appropriate, restore the relationship. Why? Because there's no better end to the story than restoring a relationship. Because as long as you have a broken relationship, even if you've forgiven There's still some baggage associated with that, right? Now, if you've done everything you can and they won't listen, you don't own that baggage, but it's still out there. The story's still not good. So trying to restore it, doing all that you can to restore it, is the best way, as long as you're not putting yourself in hurt or danger. And what better way to demonstrate God's love? And this is what Joseph did. Look at how Joseph responded to his brother. First of all, it'd be one thing to go, I forgive you, God did great things through your bad behavior. Get out of here, go starve to death. I mean, that would have been like... Grace, right? That's not what he did. Look at how he responded to them. Talk about reconciling a relationship. Genesis 50 verse 21. So then don't be afraid. His brothers were afraid. Don't be afraid. I'll provide for you and your children. He says, though you sold me into slavery and wanted me dead, I'll provide for you and I won't just provide for you. I'll provide for your children. Now, Isn't that a great end to a story? Do you know how you get a story like that? By letting go. Joseph, man this just confuses me but it's so true, if Joseph was asked when he was the prime minister of Egypt doing all kinds of great jobs but not yet back with his family, if Joseph had been asked if you could spend an intimate meal with anyone in the world who would it be? He would have said my family why? because he didn't take yesterday into us today, and he let go. And this is the only way we can do life and truly experience life. We need to forgive. And so, now that we understand the how to let go, there's this little nasty thing remaining in our way, and it's called choice. You can carry your wounds and your pains and your yesterdays into today and never really fully live, or you can fully live. The choice is yours. Here's my recommendation. Here's the application to this first weekend talk in this series, How To. Let go. Let go. Because when you do, you will live. See you next time. Thanks, everybody.